Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en Español.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More Than a Movie, American Me, a podcast that digs into the history and mystery of American Me, a film directed by and starring Edward James Almost that had a huge impact on Latino cinema and culture. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and I'll be diving into the behind-the-scenes controversy. I remember specifically arguments in the playground about, like, is that real? Would they really green light a celebrity? Like, how are they even going to get to him? He's so famous. Like, he's not, you know, he's not fucking on Florence. And the thing about the kids is, like, you hear the stories from, like, your older siblings, you know, and, like, they become, like, that game of telephone where, you know, by the end, it's, like, Edward James almost is actually fucking a gangster, you know? On today's episode, I'm speaking with a real Angelino, a Southeast L.A. native, specifically. The type of guy for whom the Dodgers are more important than the Apostles. From the neighborhoods where American Me was not only part of the culture, it was about them. Well, I come from the Ellis Island of the West Coast. That's mm. what it's called. So my, my background came from uh, being a, just a kid in East L.A. playing in, in uh, there was no grass or anything. It was just dirt lots and it was, it was beautiful. There was a lot of love, but it was not uh, any kind of affluent living whatsoever. That's a clip of Edward James Olmos talking about growing up in East Los Angeles. American Me is very much an L.A. movie. It's a movie made by Angelinos for Angelinos. More specifically, it's a movie made by East Los Angelinos for East Los Angelinos. That's why this entire episode is an interview with Eric Galindo. This is the target audience EJO was trying to reach. Edward James Olmos said over and over again, 
He used his Hollywood currency in 1992 to make a movie to warn the kids in Los Angeles, hey, don't get involved in gangs. This could happen to you. Well, Eric was one of those kids. But did it work? Did the movie have the impact that Edward James almost wanted? And what did the street really have to say about the murders and mysteries and fallout after the film? I needed to answer this question and get the barrio-level view for L.A. in 1992. My name is Eric Galindo. I am a writer and a podcast host. And uh, I grew up in, uh, you know, the parts of Los Angeles where this movie American Me really resonated because it was about the people I was growing up with, you know, it was people in my community. Eric Galindo, in addition to being a great journalist and podcaster, is a screenwriter who specifically writes about his experience as a Chicano growing up in L.A. Literally, this fool's website is thisfoo.com. That's not a joke. He's an expert in all things Los Angeles Latino, not only because he writes about it professionally, but because he's lived it and breathed it. L.A. in 92, the hood's reaction to American Me, the fallout, and the rumors. He lived all that in real time. We talked to Danny De La Paz and Daniel Villarreal, who played Puppet and Little Puppet in American Me. They told us about the backlash they experienced from the community. People did not get what they were trying to make. And people were offended, including La M, the Mexican mafia that the movie was supposed to be about. Imagine their shock, living it up at the movie's premiere on the French Riviera, when they find out that, back in L.A., one of their co-workers from the movie was shot 13 times in her driveway, and her death was just the beginning. We've spent a lot of time talking about how this movie was made and the myths surrounding it, about Edward James Olmos's quest to end gang violence. Jacob Vargas wasn't sure if American Me had that result. I feel like I'm sure it, it probably stopped a few kids, you know? Like, I'm sure... A lot of people will see that and say, hey, I don't want any part of that as well. I feel like with certain movies, you know, it can, it can be singled out that American Me is the only one. Like, you look at, like, you know, The Goodfellas and all these other films that are, that are cautionary tales about the mafia, you know, in, in a way tend to glorify it, you know. And they just because, you know, these actors did a really good job and all these characters were were cool and, and uh, you know, Santana was like a cool dude and, you know, he was in charge and, and uh you know, it held a lot of power. So I just think that there's an, an attraction to you know, to that. And some people will look at that above above what the real meaning of, of, uh, of you know, of the, of the film is, that it's a vicious cycle. And in terms of the murders connected to the film, the puppets seem to think almost wasn't at fault. My understanding is that she, she had a relationship with La Emma prior to the movie. Obviously, she was our, our, our technical advisor, and then she ended up in the movie. But she was brought in because she knew the world. And so my understanding was that there was some kind of beef that had something to do before the, the movie. I don't really know. I don't either, but I think American Me was, you know, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. But there was more to it than just American Me, is what you're trying to say. We spoke to Sal Lopez, who talked about it from the filmmaker's point of view. I think it's the brutality of uh, prison. And the brutality of being in that world. Uh, maybe it's not based on fact. I don't know. But uh, certainly, you know, in film, it's not real. You you say it's based on a true story because you're able to take uh, uh, licenses and create because you want to make a point. You want to create drama. You want to uh, have an impact. You want to shock the audience. You want to make them think. You want, you know, uh, to create a, a film that's going to be memorable, uh, scenes that are going to be uh, shocking and, and, and memorable. But today I want to talk about how it landed with the people living in L.A. in 1992, one of the most violent periods in any American city ever. According to the L.A. Times, homicides in 1992 set a record for L.A. County. 2,589 killings in one year, which was an 8% rise over the previous year. We want to go to the streets now. We want to go on patrol with Sergeant John Bell of the Inglewood Police. You're going from call to call, and uh, you're always waiting for that real big thing to happen that's going to scare the shit out of you. Eric is light-skinned, he's red-headed, and he's Mexican. Those three things combined to make his life pretty tough in 1990s L.A.,
I always say like the nineties was a rough decade to grow up in and in, in uh southeast los angeles or south la did something um, happen in the 90s in los angeles it was a lot of shit. <laughs> well there was a lot of war i mean there was like so there was iraq was happening but that wasn't the real war the real war was in the streets i mean there was the bloods and the crips were at war and also the mexican gangs were at war with the black gangs and I was like in my first race riot when I was like in elementary school, you know, like I remember having to fight like a bunch of black kids um, because I was like the 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 nerd, you know, I was the <laughs> right. I'm a red I'm a redheaded Mexican. I was already like weird. So they put me at the front of the line, you know, and like <laughs> you were the sacrifice. Well, yeah, I was the vanguard because it like the people that fucking hated me the most were like other Mexicans, you know, because I, I look white um, and and the black kids hated me, too, because I was like, why? And then the white kids hated me. Everybody kind of hated me. So when <laughs> when the race wars popped off, it was like they put me at the at the front, you know, to sort of get wasted. And I just remember being like, fuck. We've heard from lots of people that Edward James Olmos' intention with this movie was to encourage kids to avoid gang life. He wanted them to see it for what it was, cold and tragic and full of violence. No one had to take it from us, is it? Whatever we had, we gave it away. But if that was the intention, it um, didn't work on Eric. It's really interesting that you describe yourself as like a nerd, you know, growing up. And when I think about that, I think about, you know, like like a comic book nerd, right? Like part of the reason that we love these superhero movies and they become like like the pantheon. They become our gods, right? It's like, oh, fucking whatever, Iron Man and Superman and Batman. You're watching American Me. Does JD become that? Does Santana become that? Like, do they enter that pantheon? I think absolutely. I think... I mean, like for for us, like we didn't really have like I don't know who the good guys were. If the good guys, if the good guys were supposed to be the the cops who were beating our asses all the time, who were uh, harassing our parents, who were deporting our family members, like that was not who we thought the good guys were. Like mm-hmm. the good guys to us were, you know, the mobster, the gangsters, the cholos, and. Um, and also, I think that that's why it hits hard when you see like the scene with with Little Puppet, right? Because you're like, or you see the the hard choices they have to make to protect their family, to protect their way of life. I'm telling you this because you're my canal, huh? She wanted to know if the reason why they call me Little Puppet was, you know, maybe real angry think she's pregnant now. <laughs> I guess I showed her, huh? Hey, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't fight. It's very similar to like, you know, watching Godfather or Godfather 2 where like you see, I mean, especially in Godfather 2 when you see how um, Vito Corleone Corleone mm-hmm. is just this guy trying to make a living, right? And then he gets fucked over over and over again. And he finally becomes the hardest guy on the block, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're growing up in a neighborhood that's tough, that's hard, like you feel like, oh shit, I gotta become the hardest guy on the block in order to be a provider for my family. On this episode, we'll hear about little kids watching bootleg copies of American Me, what this movie meant for representation, and what it was like to grow up around real-life gangs in East L.A. Coming up, we'll hear more from Eric on how this movie hit the playground like a goddamn rocket. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, 
State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to More Than a Movie. I'm Alex Fumero, and we're talking to Eric Galindo, a journalist who was a kid in L.A. when Edward James almost made the movie American Me. As a journalist, podcaster, and writer, Eric's a guy who gets lost in details. He wrote a biography of Frank Sinatra and did a podcast about the 1986 bill that granted amnesty to undocumented people called Out of the Shadows on iHeart's network. He's done extensive reporting about Los Angeles and its Latino community, and beyond that, he's lived it. 
which makes him the perfect person to go deep into the aftershocks of American Me. So far, we've connected three homicides to the movie. But killing people because they made art? I mean, how are these murders any different than killing a journalist because they use the image of Muhammad? Is this terrorism? You kill one person, but you're trying to scare everybody? Or is this just about a guy who felt he and his friends were humiliated and attacked and were going to hit back? The rules of the street. Whether you consider it terrorism or not, and I'm not saying it is, it still scared the shit out of people. I want to talk about the myth and the lore that was built up around this movie um, in your neighborhood. Like, do you remember any of, like, what are the rumors? What, what had you heard? What were the rumors that you'd heard about this movie, the fallout from this movie, etc.? I mean, I had heard that, you know, when they made it, they had to get special permission from the real gangs to, to tell the story. Um, I, we, you know, de- definitely had heard that th- he was on green light. Um, Which is? You know, so green light, what it basically means is that you're, you've been marked for death, mm-hmm. that the gangs, it's called on site. You heard that term? Now you hear that term like on TikTok memes, it's on site. It's on site. That's just about death. Like, like a lot of the a lot of the meme culture <laughs> is really just like gang slang turned, you know, fucking like put on with kitty gloves. But green light means it's on site. Like if they see you, they can kill you. There's a contract on your head, you know. Yeah. Like I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it without using other slang terminology. No, no, that's pretty clear. So okay. you heard, so you heard another rumor you heard was EJO was was there was a green light. On green, yeah, on, yeah, on green yeah. Light. yeah. Yeah, that the that he was on green light, that all the guys that were in the movie were on green light, that fucking the studio that made it was on green light. Um yeah, like I remember specifically arguments in the playground about like is that real? Would they really green light a celebrity? And the thing about like the kids is like you hear the stories from like your older siblings, you know, and like they become like that game of telephone where, mm-hmm. you know, by the end, it's like Edward James almost is actually fucking a gangster, you know. So elementary school kids spreading rumors is one thing. By the way, fifth graders are way too young to be watching this movie. But I wanted to know what the reception was in general. How did the grown-ups take it? I mean, as uh, from my perspective and what I remember in my neighborhood is this is a great movie. I mean, we loved it. We thought it was dope. Like we all, you know, it would get passed around again, like menace to society, the tape would get passed around the neighborhood because none of us could afford like an actual, you know, to go to the theater or a, a tape. Like, mm-hmm. so it was bootlegs, right? These were bootleg tapes that were being passed around the neighborhood. We were told it's the most the most stolen film from Blockbuster of all time that EJO was told that by like the head of Blockbuster. Rafa Agustin told us that story. I I believe it because I, I watched a dubbed over like Donna summer workout tape or some shit where (laughs) there was like recorded, you know, you used to, you used to be able to take an actual cassette and put a little piece of napkin in it. And then all of a sudden it's a blank tape and you can just record whatever you want on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we do. So like when someone passed us American me, we just dubbed it and passed it to someone else. Like and all respect to the like very intellectual people, especially in East L.A. East L.A. has this grand, historic, beautiful history of just fighting for Chicano rights. But for us kids who were growing up in those neighborhoods, like we didn't know anything about that shit. Like, yeah, when you're when you're being oppressed, like you don't really know that you're being oppressed. This is just life. You're just like trying to survive. Like, I shit, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a Chicano was, you know, until that HBO movie about the blowouts. Like, and my dad was like, Chicanos don't like Mexicans. Quick programming note here. That movie is called Walkout. It's from 2006 and it's on HBO. It's about a series of walkouts by Chicano students in 1968 who were protesting unequal treatment in the school system. Its director, Edward James Olmos. Chicanos? Or Mexican-Americans. It was before we moved to East L.A. and became Vato Locos. Here's Eric again. 
I don't know what's going on in East LA. I just knew that in like in in South Central and in South LA, where we were living this shit, the movie felt like a documentary. It felt like somebody was actually telling a story about us. And I think that that is something that's commendable because when you see Blood In, Blood Out, which I fucking love, but that's a cartoon, bro. Like, that's such a fucking cartoon. Right. Like, I'm going to paint you like an Aztec princess, you know? <laughs> like, like, what is that shit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, American Me felt more real. And and I would say, like, the other movie that felt, I mean, again, like, I compare it to Menace Society all the time because that's another movie that is, like... Because if you look at American Me, Boys in the Hood, Menace Society, you don't see these kids who were, like, oh shit, I'm going to be a gangster. You know, that's not what you see. You see kids who were just living in their neighborhood and sort of being swayed by their environment. Some of the real life kids swayed by their environment. They were kids Eric knew. One of them was his own brother. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't like my brother, you know, was a very good father, devout Christian, all that now. But at the time, he was kind of thugging. And I'll tell you a childhood story. My brother and cousins used to take us to like these gang meetings they would have. Just They would just have them at like this house. There were parties, whatever. And we were all chill at the park next door. You know, we would just all the, all the, the little kids, right? We'd all hang out at the park. These are all the little brothers. And we'd talk, you know, you'd hear stories about American Me. You'd hear stories about... Uh, menace to society people would start talking tapes get passed around and like i remember one time like we heard a gunshot like coming from the house and it was just a single gunshot which is not something you usually hear right one gunshot is strange mm. one gunshot is usually an accident because people even people who are like killing someone shoot multiple times right um and we all ran into the house and it turns out they had been playing russian roulette and someone lost. And I'm telling you right now, like, if you're going to blame the movies for shit like that, like, I mean, that that's another movie. Coming up, we'll hear more from Eric on the real life cliques in L.A. that organized under one big gang, the Mexican Mafia. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. 
We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to More Than a Movie. I'm Alex Fumero, and we're talking to Eric Galindo, a journalist and showrunner who was a kid in L.A. when Edward James almost made the movie American Me. Eric says gang life wasn't something he noticed. It was just around. Something people did without really thinking about it, like breathing. There were a bunch of smaller neighborhood gangs, and then the big boys showed up. They were called the Mexican Mafia, the same gang depicted in American Me. The Aryan Brotherhood and the Black Gorilla family shared the yard. But Folsom belonged to us. The oldest clica. La M. The Mexican Mafia. Eric remembers what it was like when they started to flex their power throughout Southern California. Yeah, they were, you know, it was like, it was a weird time. But it was also during the time when, like, the the gangs were becoming... um, organized right like the dresses were becoming a thing i think right around the time when i was kind of coming of age and this big gangster dude who like almost like in the movie um the warriors he had this big ass meeting at this park in orange county um and he basically like organized the little gangs because it was gangs all over la like mexican gangs and he organized them and into uh, La M, La Mafia, right? Like it was like he was bringing orders from prison, you know. And it was around this time that the the gangs started getting organized and controlling a lot of the crime that was coming through LA, a lot of the drugs and prostitution. And in doing so, it actually let these neighborhoods that were so fucking riddled with crime and brutalized by the LAPD and the sheriffs um, actually kind of thrive because they stopped doing drive-bys. They stopped shooting people, innocent people. They started, they, they start, stopped doing violence for violence sake and started doing it for money. And that really changed things. And so the LA that you see now is a result of like the gangs becoming organized. It's hard to like know what you remember versus what you've learned. But as I understood it, like especially growing up, 
um, like you said, on the peripheral of all this was like the gangs had called a truce and they were all joining forces to control narcotics and prostitution in Los Angeles and also tax the street vendors and tax the mom and pop shops. I remember there were certain neighborhoods that were very much controlled by Lion Man. Um, you know, and, and, and then even though they had called a peace, there were still gangs who were not in the MA, like MS-13, like the, like the Norteños, right? And that in prison, and, you know, a lot of what happens when you're growing up in these neighborhoods, it's like a lot of the stuff you learn, you hear, gets passed down from the elders in prison. And so, like, the order from prison was like, uh, all MS-13, all Norteños are on green light. And then there was 18th Street Gang. I don't know if people remember that one, but 18th Street was like the original MS-13 in terms of fear-mongering by the media. Like the way we saw it was like, it was like a map of how not to get killed, right? How not to get in trouble. And it was like, these are who these guys fuck with. These are who these guys fuck with. You don't wear red in Compton, right? You know, don't like... Don't wear them death row necklaces, like, unless you want to get hit up. Be careful when you're walking in the street at night. It's like the same thing. It was like the MA is like the top of the food chain. Don't fuck with people in the MA, right? And we had this gang here that was like, <laughs> we had a little crew, call ourselves True Thugs, TT, True Thugs. And we had this, and like all the little crews kind of report to like the low guy on the on the on the trece totem pole, you know? And the guy, the low guy on the trece totem pole was part of one of the treces here in uh he was like the guy he reported to Florencia his trece reported directly to Florencia. And that was the guy who would come down and like talk to us and like show us the ropes and give us like the the tea or whatever. And as we got older, like like it's it just so much of the culture is like there's I don't know, man, it's just there. It feels like trying to describe how you learned that oxygen existed. Like, I don't know. Like I was just breathing and someone told me that was oxygen. And I, I was just chilling in the hood and someone told me the hood was run by these gangs, you know, and and like my first kiss was with, with like an around the way girl on orders from these fucking gangsters. They were like, yo, go kiss red, you know. Like, like, that's how it was. Like, I don't, I don't know how to, how to like separate that from like growing up, you know? That combination of the movie feeling authentic and the actual lived experiences of people in Los Angeles made the movie real to a young kid like Eric. In that sense, Edward James almost seemed to accomplish his objective. And what happened after? There were so many stories about that movie. This is this was happening. There's these rumors, you know, like, but all it really did for for like my my little group of friends was like it just added to the authenticity. Like it was more like that's how fucking real this is, that there are real gangsters involved, that people are getting killed over this. Like it wasn't again, we were just we just did we lacked the the tools to really process violence in a way that I, that, you know, I, I hope everyone has now, but at the time it was just like, oh, that's, that shit is just life. Like there was, it wouldn't have scared us. It wouldn't have been like, oh, it's the movie's fault. Like that's just, it's fucking chaos theory. Right. But now looking back as an adult, isn't that kind of the problem though? Right. It's like, like, like you keep using words and this is, I'm not accusing you of anything. I think this is like, you're, you're, you are the audience, right? Like you keep using words like authentic, you know, like, like this was just our experience. Right. But there are very specific scenes in this movie that folks like Joe Pegg, like Morgan take great issue with, you know, like, and, and, and claim are completely false. Right. Scenes that include sexual assault, you know, and 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 almost really weaponizes sexual assault in this movie as a way to sort of dissuade young Latino men from like young Latino boys from joining these gangs or whatever. Doesn't the filmmaker have some responsibility? Like it's not like he just made a movie that was beat for beat true. Right. Like sure. if he made stuff up that got people killed. Is that just life or is that? 
is that are you are you sort of poking the bear? I mean, like I don't, I I I I feel like it's not just life. I mean, death death is hard, and and the choices that we make are the choices that we live with. But I will say, like, it's a fucking movie. Like, people are gonna make shit up, you know. <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack here. One of those is like this very very hard to ignore homophobic culture that exists within the Latino community, especially back then. hundred percent. So to me, for me to like, I don't know. It's crazy to think like that, like a violent rape assault. That shit is not cool. It's never been cool. I don't think anybody thinks that's cool, but I think, you know, what people are really, really, like offended by is that it's men on men. Um, and so I think that, that like the dudes that say, yo, this never really happened to me. I never, you know, this never happened to me. I was never violated in that way. And it's strictly because it sucks for somebody to start a rumor that you were raped because rape is a very, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's a topic that is very personal to actual victims of rape. Right. Of course. But if it's because they showed you having sex with a man and that's what's offending you, like I feel like that's that's a whole different like problem, right? And mm-hmm. and if and if the director was using male sex as a weapon to dissuade people from joining the gang, that's also problematic. Obviously, we've all grown as a society, blah blah blah, whatever, but like shit was wrong back then, shit is wrong now. Like, you know. And I would say, though, that there's a lot of pressure on someone like Edward James Amos to get everything right and not offend anyone and not make any fucking mistakes. But when, like, you know, Tom Cruise makes uh, that fucking uh, Top Gun movie and a bunch of people run and join the military and then they get their fucking heads blown off, nobody's blackballing Tom Cruise. No offense. I fucking love, you know, those movies. Like I love Top Gun. Right. I don't like to use the word unfair, but it's fucking not fair that Edward James almost has to deal with so many things that other directors don't. 100%. And he made a movie that fucking slapped. It was bars. We're still talking about it today. And he should have got to make more. If there's something else tragic about this movie that was never talked about because it might have seemed trivial in the wake of the murders. It's the impact it had or didn't have on Latino Hollywood. Kids like Eric never found out that this movie was made by people that looked like them and sounded like them. Remember, this was a mostly Chicano production. The director and star, yeah, but the people behind the scenes too. Eric didn't even know that when he was a kid. You said, I wish that, uh, I wish that we had known that this was a movie made essentially by somebody like me, right? Like a Chicano from East LA. What would that have meant if you'd, if you'd been sort of more aware of that? That's another option. It's not just victim, cop, or criminal. Like it's artist, you know, it's storyteller. Mm. It's actor. Like I don't, fuck man. Like I didn't know. Like I wish I knew. I wish I would have put the time in like when I was in, you know, I wish I would have tried to go to USC film school. That shit's down the street. And I didn't even know that was there. You know what I mean? Like you don't want that student debt. I went. I, I went to. Theater. I got the student debt. I got the student debt. And I went to to fucking business school because oh, that's shit. what they tell all all Latino kids is like go to business school, go to business school, go to business school. That's what your parents know, right? They're like, right. like my dad didn't know what careers were available. He was just like business, do business, you know. Mm-hmm. And I never used my business degree. Um, I like I'm not even good at business, you know. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm a good storyteller. Yeah. And if I knew that was an option, maybe I could have, you know, started sooner. And it took me like it took a lot of resilience to sort of fight to get to a point where like I want to be like Edward James almost. And I want to tell these nuanced portraits from my community. And I fucking hate it when someone tells me I can't tell a gangster story because that means I'm, you know, contributing to the image of Latinos as gangsters because these are my, these are the people I grew up with. And unless we, like, who, 
who are these gatekeepers that decided that our sto- our stories are no longer valuable? The part of the movie that sticks with him is not the one we hear about often. It's subtle. It's when the main character Santana gets out of prison, before he goes back in. And he went in as a juvenile, so he doesn't know how to drive a car or how to dress right or how to talk to a girl. Listen to his response to me asking what his favorite scene in the movie is. When was the last time you danced? I never really tried it, you know? Shit. I guess this really is your first time, huh? Sorry. It's all right. The one that stuck with me the most is when um, Edward James Amos' character is trying to adjust to life after getting out of jail. And, like, he's back with his, with his ruka, his, like, main squeeze, right? His, his high school sweetheart. And, like, they're about to have sex. And like he starts to cry. And then he, like, sexually assaults her, essentially. And to me, like, the reason it stuck out was, you know, for the longest time, I don't know, sometimes you feel like you're destined to, to repeat these fucked up circles, right? And, you know, having a lot of family members who've been to jail, like, what I do know is that there is... And even myself, right? Transformation is possible. You can actually get better. You can actually become an outstanding citizen, right? You can become a pillar to your community. You can become a better version of, of yourself. You can fight against these like outside forces that are trying to get you right back to where you started. So when I think about that movie, I think about like how doomed this character seemed. And how once I thought I was also doomed. And like, that's why I feel like Edward James almost did it. Like, cause I see it now and I'm like, oh shit. Like I got, I got out of that. Like I, I am not that. I'm not, I, I got nowhere close to ever being that. And, and it serves as a lesson of like what not to be, you know? On our next episode, we talk to the documentary filmmakers who were on set during the filming of American Me. They made a companion movie, Lives in Hazard, where they follow the actual gangsters cast in the movie. When it aired on NBC in 1994, it was introduced by Bill Clinton in a message from the White House. We were on location in East L.A. I, I, was, I was always a little worried about uh, drive-bys because we were, we were a pretty big target. And uh, I'm doing the sound, mostly. When we would be out on a sidewalk kind of away from the the shooting, talking to one of the gang members uh, who was a character in our film. So, of course, I'm hyper aware of sirens. I'm hyper aware of cars going by. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so I was concerned sometimes when I'd hear a car go by quickly. Um, and this maximum, I mean, Folsom State Prison is a place where I hope I never have to go back to. That was a really intense environment to be in. That's on our next episode of More Than a Movie, American Me. More Than a Movie, American Me is a production of Exile Content Studios in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network and Trojan Horse Media. The show is produced by me, Alex Fumero, at Angry Yuka on the internets. And our senior producer is Nigel Duara. Our executive producers are Rose Reed, Nando Vila, and Kareem Tapsh. Production assistance from Sabine Jansen, Anna Octavio, and Stella Emmett. Mixing and sound design by Eduardo Albornoz. Our executive producers at iHeart are Giselle Bances and Arlene Santana. For more podcasts, listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos 
para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumucósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.